Welcome to Please Stop. We are three friends engaging in a holistic critique of the Christianity that we grew up with through pop culture and thought-provoking discussion. Hi guys, welcome to our podcast. I'm Anna, this is Beck and Letitia. Hi. This week we watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney film, and we had a lot to say about it. I'm just going to throw it over to Tish to uh, give us a synopsis on the movie, just in case you haven't seen it. So, The Hunchback of Notre Dame is based on the Victor Hugo novel and it's set in Paris during the 15th century. The story, which centres on Cosimodo, the bell ringer of Notre Dame, and his unrequited love for Esmeralda. It goes into quite a lot of themes, such as power, control, appearance versus reality, love versus lust, all wrapped up in the bow of... The Disney film. Did you see the film when it came out back in 1996? No, I didn't. But I have seen it before. Yeah. But it's like I'd completely forgotten what was in it. Watching it this time around was shocking. Yeah. I I didn't see it then, but pretty sure Hungry Jacks were doing a promotion and you got glasses when you, like, ordered a meal and they had, like, the characters on them. My grandma still has some of those glasses today. Uh, and we had one. It had Phoebus on it. Phoebus. That's a dumb yeah. name. Yeah. I really wanted the Esmeralda one. Yeah. Aww. So the film came out in a, a pretty interesting time for Disney. It was during the, the Renaissance. Renaissance. So from 1989 to 99, I think. Yep. Um, so they, they had the big names like The Lion King and Aladdin. But then they had really interesting... Storylines such as like Tarzan yeah. uh, and Milan and, and quite interesting things that came out of the box. And I just, I can't fathom, like not in a bad way because I think it's great, but Where? I can't fathom who thought, let's, let's do a Victor Hugo novel. <laughs> I mean, it was this or Les Mis as a Disney movie. As a Disney movie. <laughs> well, I think Les Mis actually would make more sense. If you're going to follow the formula because it's got the romance or that kind yeah, of stuff. that's true. But I, I applaud whoever came up with this. Morning in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. The fisherman fishes, the bakerman bakes to the bells of Notre Dame. Through the big bells as loud as the thunder. Soft as a swan, and some say the soul of the city is the tool of the birds. The bells of Notre Dame. Shh, listen, and Clopin will tell you it is a tale, a tale of a man. Definitely the darkest Disney movie, I think, particularly of that era. Mm. Yeah. It's lots of intense themes. Spiritual abuse was one of them. Definitely. Um, There was, um, I guess, a real, like, the struggle between, like, politics and religion, as well as that social acceptance. Yeah. Um, Slut shaming, definitely. (laughs) Um, Women and how they're perceived by the men who they reject. Social justice? Social justice. Quasimodo and his whole... Disability. Yeah. 
a self identity, I guess, as well. There's Cute, a lot in it. A lot, There's yeah. A lot in it. The mm. kind of stuff that should be talked about. Mm. Maybe not in a kids movie, but yeah. you know, <laughs> gargoyles, <laughs> fucking a goat, gargoyles. a horse. Mm. I just thought we were stating sidekick. Yeah, <laughs> the horse and the goat definitely. But why were the gargoyles in it? Um, the tone being so such a dichotomy, like between the Hellfire song and the Eyes of Notre Dame and the darkness of Frollo's um, twisted soul. And his like craving of desire for Esmeralda, and if he can't have her, then she'd let her burn. Um, and then you know, gargoyle. Like fire, hellfire, this fire in my skin, this burning desire is turning me to It's not my fault. Gypsy girl, the witch who set this flame. It's not my fault. If in God's plan, he made the devil so much stronger than a man. Frollo. Do you say Frollo? Frollo? Yolo. Mm, sorry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frollo. Frollo? Yeah. So, like Frodo. He, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's a Arch, Archdeacon in the book. In the yeah, book. Okay. Yeah. And, and in the movie. And changed it to the he's judge. A judge, yeah. yeah. So they kind of separate him from the church a little bit. So as not to be too um, scandalous. Yeah, yeah. So that all the Christian parents will still bring their kids to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like Esmeralda, though, definitely. Has she made herself a pole to dance around? Oh, I thought that was pretty cool. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, so he's a judge in this. Yeah, but I think all the same, he still uses religion to um, like just manipulate and justify his actions, and um, as a element of power. Mm. I find him interesting though because he doesn't just he doesn't just use religion as like um, as a power thing. He, he genuinely believes it too. Um, mm. with the the song, the Hellfire song, he's genuinely mm. troubled, and and using that. Something interesting about Frollo uh, is that um, he claims to be a righteous man, um, and yet he displays some form of all seven deadly sins sins in the in the lyrics of Hellfire. Wow! So you, you've got the obvious pride one, um, where he says. Of my virtue, I am justly proud, and you know I am so much purer than the common vulgar, weak, licentious crowd. Lust, you've got envy, you've got greed, because he wants to possess mm. Esmeralda. So it's interesting that in that one song, because songs in Disney films really are about revealing character. Yeah, exposition. Exposition, yeah, basically exposition. And um, it's interesting that it's not just literally with him, but it, it was intentionally putting in that this is his character his motivations yeah revealing yeah. his motivations to the yeah. audience yeah yeah so he was written this way i found that song really disturbing like the way he blames her oh yeah for his lustful desires yeah. often females in the church they have to think about the way that they dress the, th the way that they behave all because they will lead a man astray 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, so although you think it's extreme in that song for him to be kind of acting that way and blaming her, it still happens today. What's underlying that is that there is a certain coded way that Christian women in general should dress. Yeah. And it all comes down to that whole purity culture, putting it on the woman. It's your fault. I mean, in Hellfire, um, the song, some of the lyrics are, I feel her, I see her, the sun caught in her raven hair is blazing in me out of all control. It's not my fault. I'm not to blame. It is the gypsy girl, the witch who sent this flame. It's not my fault if in God's plan he made the devil so much stronger than a man. So not only is he blaming Esmeralda, he's also blaming God a little bit yeah. for making the devil, that's Esmeralda, stronger than him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of where that pride comes in, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, well, I'm not at fault. No, this isn't me. Yeah. yeah. It's either it's Esmeralda or it's God. You know, you did it. Yeah. He's literally fantasizing about this woman and he's blaming God and he's blaming mm. her. But it's that he's experiencing this thing um, that is desire and he um, has decided that that is a sin in and of itself. So, you know, I think he's like this evil, disgusting character. But at the same time, there is this underlying, you know, sex is bad, desire is bad, wanting somebody is bad, like wrapped up in that, mm. which is also another thing that, you know, is certainly underlying what we are taught. We're, and not just in the church, I think. Hey, Tish. How graphic was it for a Disney movie when he grabs Esmeralda from the back and is like breathing onto her neck and then smelling her hair and talking about how he's fantasizing about a rope around her neck? Um, and then she says, and then she says, I know what you were thinking. And he throws back at her, trust your gypsy witchiness to twist my, my words. Unholy un thoughts. Un my unholy thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So he, she could feel his boner yeah. and she was oh. like, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> okay. And he was like, shit. I think it is that thing where kids don't pick up on the stuff that we do mm. in movies. But we definitely didn't show our kids this movie until they were older. Like our youngest who's six hasn't seen it yet. Because mm. I just feel like the themes in it are just they're it's too much. So dark. Yeah. Um, and like... I didn't see this movie as a child. I didn't see it until I was an adult. Just one of those Disney movies that... That kind yeah. of fell under the radar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, um, anyway. But, yeah, seeing it as an adult, I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is a kid's movie, but it's, mm. but it's not. Like, the themes are not. So Besides yeah. the gargoyles, take them out. It's actually a brilliant film. Yeah. But it's not for kids. No. No, yeah. that's right. You that's take the right. gargoyles out and it's not for yeah, kids. Yeah. So personally, I think um, Frollo is probably one of the most evil villains in Disney films. Um, and it's not, um, he's not evil in a straightforward kind of way. Um, it's subversive. So it's like psychological abuse. Mm. Insidious. Yeah, yeah. So one of the songs that he sings, um, and he sings it with Quasimodo, is Stay In Here. And one of the lines in here, in this song, is, You are deformed, you are ugly, 
and these are crimes for which the world shows little pity. And this song, it's beautifully done because it depicts the weight of, I guess, the abuse in a sense. So you can actually, it's almost like you're feeling the heaviness of that. And so for everything he says, um, Quasimodo kind of um, echoes, you know, so he, he says, you are deformed and Quasimodo sings, I am deformed. Um, and you are ugly and I am ugly. And it's this awful scene, but I think it does what it intended to do. But just the psychological abuse of somebody that you have said you will take care of, um, but instead you have locked them in a tower and led them to believe that they're worthless. You are deformed, I am deformed, and you are ugly, and I am ugly, and these are crimes for which the world shows little pity, you do not comprehend, you are my one defender, out there they'll revile you as a monster, I am a monster, out there they will hate and scorn and jeer, only a monster, why invite their calumny and consternation, stay in here, be faithful. Yep. Those bells are terrifying. Oh my god. Like, oh, I don't hear it. You would be also, deaf if you were, like, in the bells oh, when oh they were ringing. Oh, my god. Quasimodo talking about the bells. Oh, and he named them. And he's, like, naming them. And then he's, like, showing Esmeralda around. And, he like, they're his pets or, like, his friends. Yeah. Even. And then he's, like, this one's, um, oh, my God. Because he names them all Maria or something. I can't remember. But, like, different something Marie something Marie and then he's like and this is big Marie I think she's the biggest bell and Esmeralda's like goes inside and like listens to it and then he just smiles and go she likes you I love Koshimoto I love him the, the thing is like cause I, I've seen this film and somehow it hasn't like clicked, it didn't stick with me I don't know why uh, I I don't think it was, I didn't see it when I was 11. I must have saw it when I was a little bit older. But I don't know why I didn't, because Quasimodo, he's so sweet. Mm. I love him. And he's so cute. Mm. He's what I would call soft-hearted. Yeah. Mm. Like, he has a beautiful soft heart and he just loves yeah. with everything that he is. And it's, I love him. Mm. And in a, in a, like, in a body that could easily turn your heart hard because of how people treat you. It's a challenge just yeah. in regular life with able-bodied people to not, like, get bitter. I can't even imagine what it would be like being treated the way that he was by Frollo and by society. Um, like, he gets let out for one day and what happens? You know, a crowd turns on him. The scene that I will never, ever get over in my entire life is after he has rescued Esmeralda from the, the pyre and then he climbs up and it's so emotional and he holds her up and he yells sanctuary, sanctuary, sanctuary and I don't know why I'm so affected by that moment. But God, yeah. It's, yeah. 
it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, it was a thing back then that you could go to a, a cathedral or a church and ask for sanctuary and you would be safe there. Um, but yeah, it's like they're putting this plea out into the universe. Like, into the universe. Save That's us, exactly save us, save is. her, save us. Like, it yes. was like a cry for a, justice. Yeah. yeah. Well, Esmeralda, yeah. she cries out justice early in the movie too. Yeah. So we know what her motivation is. Justice oh, for her people, the oppressed, that's right? Exactly, that's exactly what it is. And that's, that's Quasimodo's inner motivation. Except he doesn't home. know that's what it is when it, the movie starts. He doesn't realise that he's oppressed. Yes. Um, yeah. And as he slowly like gets to leave and then he realizes towards the end that Frollo is not his friend yeah. but is his enemy yeah. because he sees his motivations and he, and he sees Esmeralda and it's like Notre Dame represents a neutral space where Quasimodo has to leave it to get empowered and find freedom. So like the Garden of Eden, humans like, yes. had to leave it to be able to find their independence and but that's probably another... That's a different reading of it, though. I know. That's not a Christian I know. reading that's, of it. That's a good omens reading. That's a good omens just... reading of it. <laughs> it's interesting that Cosimodo, who has barely left the tower, has more of an understanding of what love is over Frollo, who's a judge, so he would have presided over people. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, well, for um, well, for Frollo, it's about possession, and for mm. uh, Cosimodo, it was about like giving them freedom. Giving them freedom. If you love something, let it go. And at the end, how he put, uh, brought. He let Esmeralda go. Yeah, he let her go. Yeah. And yeah, and so she could be with the person she loved. Yeah. After twenty four hours. Five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Phoebus is a dumb name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it's so true. Um, that's the big difference: possession, uh, which is self centered, and then freedom, which is generous. Yeah. I did like that he doesn't end up with the girl in the end. Qu- Quasimodo was going through his own thing. His objective wasn't, even though he maybe didn't realize it at the time, I don't think it was to get the girl. It was to get out from under Frollo's thumb and discover his own freedom. Well, and she was the very first person who ever looked upon him. Mm. So it, was, it wasn't really about love anyway either. It was just about being treated like a... Like a decent, regular, regular human being. Human being. Like a, being treated decently so quasimodo finds a baby bird um and it appears that he's been looking after the baby bird for for a little while Mm. right and um he says good morning will today be the day are you ready to fly you sure it's a good day to try why if i picked a day to fly this would be it Don't find on earth God 
greatest Disney princess of all time. Esmeralda. Esmeralda. I Who technically isn't no, a Disney no, princess. No, I know. She's technically not. But we will ignore technicalities. Yeah. Because she is badass. Yeah. And, yeah. She speaks for justice. She's highly principled, yeah. Um, oh. And she wants to um, lift her people out of the outcast situation they're in. Yeah, she's... She is very um, outward focused. She, yeah. She's not worried about her own yeah. issues. And she has issues. Because, mm. um, I mean, Clearly. one, she's a female in that time. <laughs> she's a gypsy female in that time. Yeah. She's a woman of colour in that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. She's a dancer for money. So she hasn't got family. She hasn't got a stable income. She hasn't got... Um, a strong male in her life, which at the time would have helped her. She has a goat. She has a goat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> know how hard that is. There's all the stereotypes about Romani people going around that they are into witchcraft and all of that. So she's got that going against her. But when she goes to the church to get sanctuary, the cathedral, sorry. Um, and you, there's a moment where she has a song. And you see all these people around her praying for wealth and um, friends and prosperity and all of that. And she asks for her people to be freed and yeah, for the good of her people. Yeah. She says, please help my people, the poor and downtrod. I thought we all were children of God. I thought it was great that Esmeralda had so much agency for herself in a time where it was hard to have. She was bold. She fought where she could. She had a lot of courage and she had a voice and she wasn't afraid to use it. And she was also gentle too as well. Yeah. To the disenfranchised. Yeah. Like Cosimodo. Mm. Um, yeah. So she wasn't just a stereotypical, strong, independent. Mm. She also had a tender heart. Yeah. So why do you think she is the, the Disney princess that we should have our children following? Because she has the best costume. Healthy sexuality? <laughs> I love her dress. Sorry, I know that wasn't that? very... No. No, that's it. <laughs> she does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, healthy sexuality. Yeah? Yeah. All the dancing and the eyes and everything, but clearly knows her limits and her boundaries. Um, she's working woman <laughs> like in a in a time where it was hard for working women to, to look after. thanks dolly she stands for justice and i know a lot of the disney princesses in their own ways are about justice or about caring for others or you know that is kind of a thread throughout them but in this one there's no pretense to it um, there's no motivation for her other than her love of others. And I guess, like, there's no, nothing in it is self-serving for her. Um, and I guess that's what I would want, as a parent, that's what I would want my children to see, is her willingness to sacrifice who she is in order um, for other people to be loved. And not in a sense where you have to, um, degrade yourself or anything like that. I just mean that she doesn't put herself first. Mm. 
And she's not doing it for uh, romantic love, <laughs> mm. which so many Disney movies, it, that's the goal. Mm. Whereas the goal of this is freedom for her people. Yeah. Yeah, her relationship with Phoebus just kind of happened. It wasn't like she went after it. Or, yeah, he didn't really go after it either. It just kind of happened. And then, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, the goal wasn't for her to end up with Phoebus. The goal mm. was for her to get away from Frollo. Yeah. It's such a good film. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah. I want to watch it again. Yeah. Oh, and it was Demi Moore that voiced her. How cool is that? You can when you when you realize that. that you hear her talk and you look at her face, you can see the Demi Moore cheekbones. When Quasimodo is tied up on the dais or what? Not dais, yeah, dais, yeah, or whatever. Um, and people are throwing things at him. Esmeralda runs up to go protect him, and Frollo yells out, "You gypsy girl, get down at once!" Yes, Your Honor. Just as soon as I free this poor creature, I forbid it. How dare you defy me? You mistreat this poor boy the same way you mistreat my people. You speak of justice, yet you are cruel to those most in need of your help. Silence! Justice! If they were to make a live-action film of The Hunchback of Notre Dame, because they've, they've done that a lot recently, they've been doing live-actions of all the Disney classic movies. Disney's. Um... Who would play the characters? So we'll just do, you know, the main characters, Rolo, Quasimodo, Esmeralda, and Phoebus. Who do you guys think would play Rolo? Liam Neeson. I was thinking him too. No. You too? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He always <laughs> plays good guys. But the, when he was playing the priest in... Um, in gangs of new york and he wears the long kind of robe and he's only in it for the beginning of it but dang that's so tricky okay yeah, well, we got Frollo then. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. he voiced aslan once in a yeah. direct to video yeah he's definitely got the voice for he's it. got the voice he was yeah. in a pilgrim's progress one of the early like 80s adaptations <laughs> so you know he's got the religious you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay esmeralda you All shall right. be taken um great I guess we're doing Liam Neeson. <laughs> what about Quasimodo? Oh, that brings up questions. It does. Because you would you, you would have to have a person with a disability, disability cast in the role, but then how can you comment on I don't know. Oh, Tyrion? Yeah, uh, uh entirely different but but hey, okay. What's okay. his name? I forget. Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. But uh, I mean ignoring the disability difference. He, I reckon he would. He's got the gravitas. He's got the gravitas and the, just from the way he brought the balance of gentleness to, and the yeah. yep and the depth to the character Tyrion. The the voice of Quasimodo was bugging me the whole entire. Cause it sounded so familiar. It sounded so familiar. I knew it. I knew the voice, and then I looked it up. And there's a movie called Armageddon, and he plays Wolfgang Mozart, but like he's a completely. Different character, like hyper, <laughs> off the planet, not sweet and not sweet at all, angelic. Yeah, yeah. It made it was it made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> Armadillo is one of my favorite films. So, hmm. okay. Uh, okay, so we got we got that then we got Quasi. Okay, 
Okay, Swedish. <laughs> Who is it, Tish? <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Go on. You get it? I'm not saying this Do it. because I'm biased. No, nope, I know. I'm not saying this because I'm Tom biased. Hardy. <laughs> Hear me out with Tom Hardy. <laughs> he's got the he's got the build of a soldier. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh God, here we go. Do you need I thought you were like, oh yeah, this segment's gonna be so quick. We'll get it done like that. I want to go home. <laughs> and like now we have to listen to a lecture. Did you bring a PowerPoint? Because you were totally the kind of person who would do a PowerPoint to describe why we should choose Tom Hardy. God, <laughs> such a nothing thing. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Keep going. Tell us why Tom Hardy, because he's got the right build. He's got the can right. Can he ride a horse? He can ride a horse. Oh my god, that's point number two. I'm crying. <laughs> okay. Alright. At least I didn't say Kevin Max. <laughs> okay. Can I just can I just say a suggestion? Not not that I would want him to be played in the film, but if you look up Phoebus and also look up Owen Wilson. They have a disturbing physical resemblance. Wow. Do you want to know who I think could play Phoebus? Who? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. No. But like the way that he played... Um, Chris is too sweet. The way that he played the in Ghostbusters, that character. Kind of like dumb but like... You know what? No, I, can, no, I will allow it. And I think I'm against it because I like Chris and I just don't like Phoebus. But no, you're right. Okay. To give, I just want to give the people that are listening some context on why I'm being bullied so heavily in this He's segment. a quarterback, sorry. Um, I, 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 I have a love affair with Tom Hardy. No, it's one-sided. The other side is a screen. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm being bullied for this. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, Esmeralda. So. What about the chick who played Mary Jane in... Oh, in yeah, um, Homecoming. Yeah, Spider Man Homecoming. She also played the acrobat in uh, The Greatest Showman. Is it Zendaya? Yes. Is it, um, I was thinking Jenna Dewan from the first Step Up movie because she's a really good oh, dancer. Back in her dance movies. Whatever. <laughs> What's wrong with a good dance movie? Well, hey, if I'm getting bullied for Tom Hardy. Actually, I would be really interested to know what other people who are listening who you would cast as the actors to play in a live action. So do drop us a line on Facebook or Instagram. If you can find someone better than Tom Hardy, let me know. <laughs> yeah, oh, comment. Done. Easy. Tom Hopper. Okay. Done. Comment on our Facebook page, especially if you got this far and you heard all of this. We want to know who's actually listening <laughs> this far through the podcast, right? Oh my god, Disney is developing a live-action Hunchback movie with Josh Gad. What? Oh, with a Hunchback remake, Disney wants to go dark. How much darker can you make How the Hunchback? Yeah. Can you, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Without Just... completely wiping out three quarters of your audience. Yeah. I guess just add eyeliner onto them like they did with Robert Pattinson for Batman. And make it a rock opera. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Please Stop. 
interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. Listen to us like you are right now. And um, yeah, hit us up with any requests of topics or media that you think we can critique or speak into. And uh, yeah, keep listening to us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So strong. He could flip her like a pancake. <laughs> Sanctuary. Oh, oh alright, 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 alright. Right, we'll okay, we'll start, we'll start. Let's start yeah. from the very beginning. Cosimo, don't end it like this. <laughs> <laughs>